G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 22 Preview Edition on a crisp Melbourne winter's morning. Late winter now too, we're almost in springtime and you know what that means? It means cut grass, the smell of cut grass, cicadas starting to be heard and the creep of finals football into the atmosphere. I don't know why I just got all literary there, but uh, it seems like a good note on which to introduce my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Finey? Yeah, very well. Very poetic start to the program. The creep of finals football. Yeah, I don't know. Well, who is the creep of finals football? <laughs> it could be several people. How are you travelling? Yeah, yeah, well, it's a great time to be talking about football. This round has got a number of key games, pivotal headline matches, and when when really you could almost say the finals start this weekend. They do for Richmond. I think they've been in cruise control, winning comfortably for the last couple of weeks. Gee, there are some big games, and that means that we can do what we do best, which is talk football. We can leave our great sponsors, Andrew's Hamburgers, to do what they do best, Make the best burgers in Australia. Well, this is this is burger season, finding I reckon. I mean, I, I've, I've worked something out with you, mate. What's that? Whatever the weather, yeah. Whatever the out, whatever's happening outside our studios from which we create this podcast for you is burger weather. Yeah, uh, any yeah, no, that is true. Any weather. Australia's been hit by a meteor. Yeah, the dinosaurs are coming back to life. <laughs> the 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 ice age is upon us. <laughs> Global warming means it's going to be 83 Celsius tomorrow. It's all burger weather for you, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And Andrew's, no matter what crisis hits planet Earth, Andrew's hamburgers will survive, as it has for 80-odd years, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. I'll tell you what else it's good weather for, Finey. Building a new house. It might be a yurt. (laughs) <laughs> that you're willing, that you're wanting to put an extension on, or an igloo. It could be an igloo. Could be a geodome. Nick Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. will not help you with your igloo, yurt, or geodome. Well, I thought they would. I thought they're pretty adaptable. I reckon if it's igloo building that you need, find a Aleutian Indian in North America. Eskimos are us. Correct. But if it's a house and we don't get hit by a meteor, then stick with Nick Bartels and Hardwick Build Co. So there's a, a couple of great pieces of advice going forward for whatever the atmospheric and weather conditions are in this country. We'll concentrate on the footy. We'll let the great Nick Bartels and Hardwick build your houses and Andrew's hamburgers build your burger. Sounds like a great plan. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology, Newsfeed. 
Okay, well, no shortage of news around as we record this on a Thursday morning. And as we speak, still yet to be officially confirmed at a press conference. But uh, many congratulations to David Teague, who has gone from caretaker coach of Carlton to permanent coach of Carlton on a three-year deal. That news uh, coming out in The Age Yesterday afternoon, uh, Jake Nile, I think, broke that. So, well done, Jake. Um, but a bit of a, a feel-good story, this finally. bit of people power, slightly reminiscent of Paul Ruse being appointed at Sydney after Rodney Eid. And um, good luck to him. It's a, it's a good appointment. I think I'm pretty happy with about, uh, about it. The players uh, love him. Um, he's demonstrated, I think, a willingness to let people express themselves in a footy sense, both players and his assistant coaches. Um, they're certainly playing a more positive attacking brand of footy. He's 5-4 so far. Um, two of those losses by a kick and the other two by under five goals to two pretty decent teams. So um, the proof was there. And look, Carlton stories about Carlton making approaches to Alistair Clarkson, you know, in a what would be a more typical Carlton move. Uh, they ended up only interviewing, apparently, one other person, which was Michael Voss. But David Teague has the gig. What's your response to that? It's a logical move to appoint him, given the form that they've shown under David Teague, the field assembled of possibles, I don't think had anybody really demanding to be selected ahead of him. And I think most importantly is the the zeitgeist around the players. Sorry for the use of words that make me sound pretentious, but the general feeling is that the players are very receptive to playing underneath him. I think it's important that you gauge the feel of key players like a Cripps, Charlie Curnow, I'm sure the club has done that. In other words, he'll be there and they'll be there with him. And that's not a bad list that he has to work with. Yeah, absolutely no question. I reckon every single Carlton player I heard interviewed after he took over didn't miss any opportunity to pump his tyres up. Um, Paddy Cripps did it the other morning on, on SEN and they said to him, well, what if he doesn't get the job? And he said, oh, well, we'll, we'll be happy with whoever they appoint. But you, you could just tell the players were desperate for Teague to be appointed, which, um, you know, uh, I think you can take as a, a really positive sign. I mean, you need to have the players on board. But I think it's also a vote for, um, uh, I don't know, just a step, another step into a, a modern attitude towards AFL coaching, which is... Um, you know, you don't have to have coached at another AFL club at senior level. This guy has been a coach for 12, 13 years, ever since stepping down, became playing coach of, of Carlton's seconds in um, the Northern Blues, or what were they then, the Carlton Bull Ants? Or I don't know. They Northern Bull Ants, Preston Bull Yeah, anyway, them. Um and he was a uh, playing coach, and then he became non-playing coach, and then he's worked at West Coast, he's worked at Adelaide. So extensive experience in the coaching sphere. So all that, you know, it was uh, a conversation that was almost derailed for a few weeks by Chris Judd's little gaff about training wheels. But, um, 
you know, he's long since shed the training wheels. Um, and, you know, whether it's at AFL level or not, the mechanics of coaching are still essentially the same. So good luck to him. Uh, that that will be officially confirmed uh, after, obviously, we record this podcast. But that's two out of two for the caretakers now with Reece Shaw. Um, what do you think of Brett Ratton's chances of making that three from three? Strong. Yeah, same. Yeah, I would have thought very strong. And I guess it eases the pressure slightly on St Kilda to make that call ASAP because Carlton may have... There were people at Carlton who thought that Brett Ratton may have been in the mix there, just could have gazumped St Kilda, but now St Kilda has some clean space maybe around naming their next coach. That being said, Brett Ratton has presented to the club, or I think he already has, or imminently will do so. It has made it clear that that announcement, one way or the other, needs to be made because St Kilda will shortly be heading into the trade period, have already started work in that space, and that new coach, whoever it is, needs to be part of that process ASAP. So I think actually every day that there's not another announcement almost confirms Brett Ratton as St Kilda's coach going forward. And it's a similar landscape, isn't it? I mean, it's not as though, you know, a Norm Smith-type figure is waiting in the wings, is it? There's nobody I can imagine that would present a better case than Brett Ratton. No one no one comes close. A, yeah. his own record's very good. He fills, ticks all the boxes of having that experience with Hawthorne, you know, with that club through a successful period. His time as an AFL coach at Carlton now retrospectively looks very strong and great track rec- great short period of time in charge at St Kilda. Mm. Just announcing. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, presuming that happens, that would be three from three for the caretakers, which would be really flipping recent history on its head. I mean, Matthew Primus... Uh, in 2010 was the last caretaker to inherit a job full-time. And since then, we've had a string of them, but it's like everyone was scared off and uh, concerns about jumping too early. And people will say it with the Teague thing too, because you know if the only other person they interviewed was Voss, it's not like they've really combed the landscape. But um, You know what's worth looking at is when you have a triple opportunity here for a new coach, Generally, there will be a coach or two passed over, and that will mean that their time has passed. It 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 all is all about timing, and you sort of feel that maybe historically, John Blakey, his time has passed, not uh, not through this event, but does this mean that, say, for Michael Voss, clubs will look at him and say, "Well, hang on, he didn't." He wasn't asked to step up during this period. Yeah, you missed out on that gig yeah. and you missed out on that gig. Yeah, well, that was the case going back. I mean, someone like Brian Royal, he Correct. was sort of a Correct. victim of that. I think, it- well, Mark Harvey was a victim of that for a while, but then he took over at Brisbane as a caretaker and then went to Fremantle. So I, uh, I would have thought this is not going to be great if Brett Ratner has announced as and killed a coach for Robert Harvey, for example. Yeah. Where no. people would say he'd been in the system long enough his own club didn't really consider him. Mm. 
I don't think that that would mark him as a future senior AFL coach. No, but I mean, that's presuming he's desperate to coach, and I'm not sure he is. I mean, had it not been, you'll notice that he wasn't thrown up as a possibility for the North Melbourne or Carlton jobs. He was only mentioned in connection with St Kilda, wasn't he? So, yeah. Um, all right, so there's another new coaching appointment locked in. Uh, some sad news yesterday, finally, with the passing of the great Graham Polly Farmer. I'm not old enough to, and I don't think you are, to have seen him play. I, I did. Now, I'll I, I tell you where I saw him play. This is weird. I was thinking, I saw him play. I don't know why this happened, but in fact, it might have been his last ever game. The 1971 Western Australian Grand Final, um, and he was captain coach of West Perth. And I distinctly remember this, sitting at my home here in Melbourne with my parents, watching him on the on the TV. Yep. So um, I don't know why they were televising the WA Grand Final, but uh, definitely saw it. But yeah, look, I mean, what an incredible career. 356 games for three clubs, 176 with East Perth. Uh, 79 with West Perth at the end, and uh, in between, 101 for Geelong from 62 to 67. Bob Davis, of course, the, um, I guess, the mentor who who brought him over to Victoria, and um, the honours are are just ridiculous. In fact, one which stood out to me, I mean, he's an official legend of the game, one of the very first named in that initial induction. One thing that stands out for me was... On the age in 2008, we did a um, a panel of greats to select their top 50 players of all time. On that panel, we had uh, Ron Barassi, Tom Hafey, Bob Davis, uh, Ronnie Carter, legendary footy rider, and Ken Hands, Carlton champion. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to convene the discussions and whatever, and uh, Polly came in in that at uh, number five. So massive vote of confidence there. 63-64, Geelong best and fairest. Obviously played in that 63 premiership. Five WAFL premierships. Three Sandover medals. uh, Numerous best and fairest for both East and West Perth. And one of, yeah, 28 official legends of the game. I think you think of Polly Farmer, Finey, and you think of one word, handball. Yeah, there's a couple of things about Polly Farmer. He... Originally signed with Richmond, did he in the fifties? Did yeah, he really? Yeah, as a as a young man, but Richmond were not able to. When I say signed with, they had the form fours, I think. Yeah. So intention to play, but Richmond were never able to lure him east. And that's the thing for younger listeners: like he didn't come to Geelong until the age of twenty-seven in nineteen sixty-two. So yeah, had already been like a ten-year player in in WA. Uh, one bit of footage or, or image that stays in my mind is uh, the one of him working in a car yard and uh, having the window of one of the cars rolled down and he would, from all accounts, spend literally hours practising handballing through the open window of the car. Um, obviously, very good handball because you, if I was running that car yard, I don't know how thrilled I'd be about... Um, a TW Sharon whacking into the glass on a new car I was trying to sell. There were, yeah, that's right. He three Sandover medals, but he was also runner-up in a Brownlow medal. And look, 
the, for me, the 1967 grand final oh, is... one of the great games. It's a great game of football. The skills, some of the skills on show that day were just extraordinary. And we think now over 50 years ago, if you are a Geelong supporter, in fact, any football supporter, and you want to see something that is breathtaking... Try and get a copy of the game. or I think you can maybe watch it through YouTube. I think the whole game's on YouTube. In the first quarter, Geelong kick a point, And was it Freddie Swift, the Richmond yep. fullback? Yep. Kicked the ball out to what would now be about 55 metres out from goal. And Polly Farmer was involved in a contested marking situation. And he was able to take the mark with one hand. And he... With that one hand, took the mark, didn't break stride, then basically did a long place kick or a drop kick even that pierced through the air and hit Doug Wade fair square on the chest with Wade having taken two steps. Mm. It is breathtaking in its execution of skills of our game contested mark one it's brilliant it just i saw it many years ago and was taken by it yeah you know the other <laughs> people will see over and over that giant sweeping handball yeah. from from that same game well there's another i bet you remember this in fact i think we've discussed it before another moment from that game in that pulsating last quarter the best blind turn, or oh, maybe on a par with oh, Leon best, Baker. Best I've ever seen in football. Bill Barrett. Bill Barrett, well, right on his... right on the boundary line. People will not understand this because when I say it, it doesn't make sense. He uses the palm of his left hand. He's holding the ball sort of under his arm with his right hand, but he actually uses the palm of his left hand to pivot off the ground. Mm. You'd think I'm talking about a chimpanzee, but I'm not. It's unbelievable. With the Geelong player <coughs> coming at him at about 100 miles an hour. And once again, he hits a teammate. It is um, it is an amazing game, that. Like, you watch that game not knowing what year it was and, you know, say, pretending we still had black and white TV. You, you For all intents and purposes, it could be from... Today, I oh, know because it's too open and attractive, but uh, maybe from the 90s. Uh, just an amazing go footy. And it's funny, in that game, there were two hulking forward ruckmen for Richmond, Ronaldson and yep. Patterson. Yeah. In fact, Ronaldson kicked a key goal. Didn't Ronaldson he? kicked two amazing goals yep. in the last quarter from each side of the ground from yep. miles out. Um, yeah, no, incredible game. And in that game, too, the, the thing that watching it, you think of watching Farmer is for a, a man that size, you know, big frame and, and tall and heavy, uh, the gracefulness with which he moved. A bit like, um, uh, you know, a slightly more recent version, uh, Graham Moss. He was like that too, you know, big man, big frame, but quite gr- a graceful mover across the ground. It would be wrong to talk about Graham Polly Farmer and not mention that um, he was a Nyungar man, mm. and he played at a time when there was there were no filters on field and off field, and he copped the very worst of it. He mm. his um, indigenous heritage was unfortunately at that time something that you could not celebrate. Because you couldn't get on the front foot and be a proud Indigenous footballer. He was a very proud Nyunga man. But 
you couldn't be a proud footballer. Why not, as an Indigenous man? Because you would have spent your entire career uh, defend, not defending, but receiving torrents of abuse on and off field. And he dealt with it on field, and how he dealt with it off field, I can't tell you. Yeah, well... Sid Jackson, um, the Cracker Brothers, you know, there's a, quite a long list of them, very sadly. Yeah. But, uh, but as, a, as a star recruit, being Indigenous was the first of his kind to the VFL. I, you know, given that he came in 62, but Richmond signed him in 55. Yeah, of oh, that stature, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so for, for supporters and other players, this was their first chance, you know, a superstar, but... He's, you know, you know that you know the term that was used that three-word term, and then every other you know, name under the sun. Some people just couldn't fathom that the this high-paid superstar was an Aboriginal man, and he had to live with horrid, horrid comments from both sides of the fence. Yeah, no, good point, good point. Uh, a great loss, but uh, a great career which will continue to be celebrated. So, Valet Polly Farmer. And um, one other news item I want to bring up just quickly, because it was a few days ago now, but uh, the AFL Chief Executive, Gil McLaughlin, deciding to turn player manager and uh, coaching Stephen Cornelio about his... Uh, intentions in terms of where he would play footy next year. Quite an extraordinary interview, which I, I played again to make sure I heard it right. But basically on um, 3RW Sports Today, um, he was asked by Caroline Wilson about Cornelio. And rather than just say, well, you know, it's not my place to comment on or say, oh, well, it'd be nice. You know, he, he really sort of thought about it and launched into a very spirited case as to why Cornelio should stay at GWS and um, had a second crack too when they followed it up by saying, well, are you, um, are you when you see him, because he said, I know him and he's a, a fantastic young man, uh, will you tell him you think he should stay? He said, well, I am telling him. You know, so it was, and I mean, this is just wrong. The AFL CEO shouldn't be advocating about the the uh, the potential moves of players, Partic- yes, he should. Well, hang on, P- particularly when it's involving GWS or Gold Coast, because they are already seen, rightly or wrongly, as sort of unofficial AFL clubs. And this is five, uh, six years after the famous or infamous Mike Fitzpatrick, Richard Collis phone call, because Buddy Franklin didn't go to GWS, went to Sydney instead. Um. It's just a bad look, and I suspect the Giants would be as pissed off about it as anyone, really. That's why I say he should comment on it, because they are constructs of the AFL. (laughs) And as um, sort of the... Is he the puppeteer? I guess he is. I guess he's, you know, the man that's the head of the AFL. They're your clubs, and all of the concessions that were afforded Gold Coast and GWS in their creation seem to have been lost, certainly for Gold Coast and GWS heading down that same route. As the years go by, they have not been able to retain their players. That being said, these two clubs therefore become normal football clubs. Of course, he shouldn't be commenting on it, but I guess it is a... 
legacy of how the two clubs were created. It's really interesting that you mentioned that Richard Collis, Mike Fitzpatrick phone call. I don't believe enough was ever made of that. Well, I, I, I really I, believe the media have... They know it. It, it stands as a... As a un, it, not a, not a, it's, it's a fact. It happened. But Richard Collis's word can be taken because it's never been confirmed by Mike Fitzpatrick. But what is far more interesting was the petulant, unprecedented, embarrassing reaction by Andrew Dimitriou and, I guess, in concert with Fitzpatrick, and a raft of completely insane, unreasonable penalties imposed on the Swans. Now, people know... The trade ban. The trade ban. Maybe... I think Kohler was dying anyhow. But there were other bans put in that were put in and then removed within a seven-day period that mark that administration, head by, headed by Andrew Dimitriou, as being absolutely buffoon-like, um, uh, dictator-like, and also downright embarrassing to the point of, I mark that as a low point in sports administration worldwide. Do you know what some of those bands were? They were denied uh, training at certain grounds. Anything that the AFL could possibly... It was like a child that had had his Christmas toy taken away and would not stop crying or kicking, wouldn't eat his veggies, bit his grandmother on the wrist. I mean, it was unbelievable. that There were some hilarious things put in place for them. Well, one word keeps coming back to me, and it's propriety. And, you know, if they want to administer what is allegedly a... Uh, super professional uh, sporting competition, you have to, as an admin overseer of it, remain at arm's length. And they consistently, and it started with Andrew Demetrio, you know, this has been going on for 10 years. They've just absolutely had no compunction about wading into every issue and offering public commentary on it. I mean, this was, you know, it was going on with the, the supplement um, scandal and uh, it was, it was tanking. Ex- and- but it was extraordinary. Fitzpatrick rang up Collis yeah. and basically said to him, and I'll remove the expletives, you effing, I, yeah, yeah. I, I backed you with Collar. I, the whole world wanted to get rid of it, and I did the right thing by you, and now you have gone and ruined and effed up this plan to, you know, to yeah. get GWS up and running. Yeah. I'm going to destroy you and your club. Yeah, I read out the, I, I dug up the news story just to remind myself, and it was quite extraordinary. And uh, Richard Collis's account of the phone call is, is he was, he was bewildered. But yeah, was, and and still. Um, you know, still uh, dirty about it, and and rightly so. Um, all right, look, we've got to move on. Big week in news. Uh, Do, well, does Braden Sear get a mention? Well, very quickly, you tell us what the story is there. I mean, his name's funny enough as it is for somebody that's spotted where he shouldn't be. Braden Sear, Braden Sear. No, his actual name was Phil In, because that was the name they put apparently on the playing sheet at Greensboro Division Three basketball. Where And well done, Mitch Cleary from AFL.com.au. Excellent um, scoop, this one. Injured Collingwood midfielder Braden Sear. Calf injury out for the last three weeks. Playing low-grade basketball at Greensboro. He denies it. He said he was there watching mates having a shot at a few baskets during the breaks. Gee, 
You're not the first Collingwood player to <laughs> allegedly lie or make up, fabricate a story to cover up behaviour that the club would consider inappropriate. I don't think you need to register as a, as a name to have a shot at a hoop during a half-time break. No, probably not. So where did Phil in come from? <laughs> Surname <laughs> I-double-N. That's always as good as... Uh, I wonder if he, he's also got an ID with uh, McLovin on it. <laughs> oh, that, the, <laughs> great one is, the great one was The Simpsons. Guy Incognito. Hello, I'm Guy Incognito. Get out, Homer! But it actually was somebody called Guy Incognito that looked exactly like Homer with a moustache. Um, so two people identified him and an opponent who was playing against him, not at half-time shooting hoops, said he was shocked that an injured AFL player would be playing basketball. Well, yeah. Over to you, Collingwood. Yes, of course. Await that one. Yeah, you're right. It was a good, uh, good get by Mitch Cleary on the AFL website. All right, we're going to move on. Time now to uh, talk about the fourth estate. On Footyology Media Watch. Okay, the segment where we talk about the people who talk and write about the game. Um, Just before we jump in. Yep. Fourth estate, of course, is the media. Mm. I always got confused between the Third Reich, the Fourth Estate, <laughs> yeah. and being a fifth column. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Fifth Dimension. No, the Fifth Column. Yeah. The Fifth Column's a spy, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what the Fifth Column is. Yeah, I think it's being a spy. Okay. Does it ever anything extend past the Fifth? Is there the Sixth? Oh, the Sixth Sense. Sense. Great movie with uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, well... And we're not giving away the ending. The third, the third Reich, you know. Yeah, I know about the Third Reich. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the Second Coming. Uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, um, the first. The first story is the Seventh Seal, the Seven Commandments. Seventh Seal was a great movie by In- uh, Kurosawa, was it? No, that was. Oh no, Bergman wasn't In- it? In- yeah, that was Ingemar Bergman. Yeah, you're thinking of the Seven Samurai. I am which too. Is honestly, my favourite movie of all yeah, time. Yeah, no, no, a long time since I saw it. Okay, uh, Eight is enough. Really bad. <laughs> a very good sitcom. Um, all right, let's get on with it. You know, nine, which just means no. <laughs> the first story. What Ten Commandments. Oh, come on, mate. The All starting right. 11. Well, <laughs> this is going to keep going. I can it? get the, uh, the baker's dozen. That's 13. All right, come on. Were there 12 apostles? apostles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what caught your eye in a football media sense? Well, Essendon Football Club... Uh, 21 unanswered goals against the Bulldogs allowed the outpouring of some, you know, superlatives were being sought to describe how terrible the performance was. In the newspaper, Mark Robinson... Can you have a, sorry, can you have a superlative in a negative sense? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah. It just means, you know, E-R, E-S-T. Yeah. Or more or most. Yeah. Most putrid... Most appalling. That's certainly what Nick Del Santo said mm. in his time playing and watching football. The, the most the appalling. Worst, yeah, the, the worst um, performance he'd seen in terms of uh, application, commitment. Mark Robinson scathing. Hard when you're an Essendon supporter to di- divest yourself of your love of the club with your disappointment. John Ralph... V- very hard on them. I listened to 3AW's call of the game. You were part of that call. Mm. Shane Mac- 
McInnes. Yes, I, I often... Now, Shane McInerney's the umpire. Yeah, Shane Big Mac. Um, he was demanding that, uh, I think, at three-quarter time... Um, in fact, I'm so, he, he, I think he was demanding that John Worsfold take out a, a whip or some implement to flay the flesh off the back of players. <laughs> no, nothing would have satisfied him in terms of the anger that he expected to be shown by the coach. And quite frankly, I think all of it was overdone. Maybe an example of um, the the fervour building on itself mm. as each new media commentator wanted to uh, prove that they were more um, disgusted by the performance Put it into some perspective, and I, I'm not here to stand up for the Essendon Football Club in Media Watch, but honestly, this is a team that is still likely to play finals football. This is a team that was decimated the week before against Port, and then lost their two best players from that game almost, Francis and Parrish. A side that has not had a full forward all year, lost Hurley from full back, Heppel and Hooker playing injured. They lose Saad out of the back line. They lose Francis out of the back line. They don't have Parrish. They don't have Devon Smith. They lose both Ruckman, Bell Chambers and backup Draper and have to play, sadly, an unsatisfactory replacement in Zach Clark. A number of other players not available. Guelphie out for the season. It goes on and on and on. And in the end, this team is decimated. They are simply incapable a fielding at AFL quality team. 21 unanswered goals need to be sorted out by the club, but the reaction was without qualification. It Nobody said this team, nevertheless, won five games in a row and is still above Adelaide, Port Adelaide, Bulldogs, all these sides that can hold their heads high while Essendon should skulk off and worse folds should be you know, carrying a cross up to Calgary and, and being crucified. It, it's the it's the goldfish syndrome, and it 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 gets worse. And there's I, there are commentators this season who are variously, uh, when Essendon started poorly, wanted Warsfold sacked, and then during the five wins in a row, uh, wanted him. You know, said, well, obviously that discussion's finished. And then one and a half games of footy later, because it was really only the second half against Port Adelaide, uh, want him sacked again. I mean, it's, yeah, look, I, you know, I mean, there's no two ways about it. It was a disgraceful performance. But, you know, just to give it some context, I mean, uh, two things come to mind here. Richmond, final game of 2016, beaten by over 100 points by Sydney. You know, everyone talking about how hapless their situation appeared. Well, that GWS game prior to that for Richmond was the outpouring of of ridiculous, yeah, similar. But, but I mean, in terms of how quickly it turns, last game of 2016, oh, yeah, cool. 25 games later, they're standing there with the Premiership Cup. Happened to Essendon. Um, 1992, round 20, Essendon lost to Hawthorne by 160 points. At the MCG, Dunstall kicked 12. Jarman had about 500 touches. Uh, 28 games later, Essendon wins a premiership. So that's, that's not saying, and you wrote a very good article for Sporting Life and for the Footyology website, that's not saying that the fact that Essendon haven't won a final since 2004 and that possibly the post-Asada um, era is not looked to be, the healing looked to be... Um, 
remarkably quick and the club back on track very quickly may not be as certainly on field as smooth as Essendon supporters would have hoped and that your article bears that out yeah but I yeah but uh, I mean to pin it on a coaching thing it's just so I mean I think it it's always a simplistic argument, but in Essendon's case, particularly so, because you've got complications like the the saga. And yes, that has finished in one sense, but the as far as the administration goes, and it's easy to say, and a lot of Essendon supporters have done this during the week. Um, yeah, they, they don't care about the footy. It's all about you know uh, supporter outcomes and engagement and blah blah blah. But you've got a, a club which at the height of that saga was, um, or sorry, when it concluded, was stuck with a debt of $12 million, a yep. debt which they've driven down to under $4 million since. That's no mean feat. Um, you know, they've got a record membership of 84,000, despite not making finals last year. And I'm not, don't get me wrong here, I'm not trotting it out as, you know, don't get into them. But I'm saying this administration, it it's just a matter of fact that it has had a lot of balls in the air. Now, they haven't been able to just focus all their attentions on footy. I think they want to, and I think that's starting to happen. You've seen Ben Rutten come aboard. Now you've got Blake Carousello coming aboard. So, you know, they're aware where they're at, but it's not just a coaching issue. There are a lot of things going on in the background. You know, there's, for me, there's issues about that list. Is it actually good enough? Well, anyway, that, 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 But that's the, a, a better discussion... Of course it was a poor performance, terrible performance. But to just continue to go back and take chunks out of Worsfold and the club, I mean, how about a forgotten player like Tom Stewart? I mean, he would have been invaluable up forward or even James, down. James, James Stewart. Stewart. Sorry, James Stewart. He would have been invaluable either end of the ground. He hasn't played this year. Yeah. Forgotten completely. In, in Why is he forgotten? Because so many other players haven't been playing. And the reality is that Essendon are in the eight and have a chance over the next two weeks to confirm that spot. Pretty, that, pretty good effort from where I sit. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I'm, I'm sort of less glowing about it. but I, I, I don't like your list depth-wise. And I think, for example, your ruck stocks, Bell Chambers, to me... Well, see, there's another injury, Sam Draper. Draper well, would Draper, have played. Draper was the backup, but he'd never played footy. No. Um, they, I think they could have done better than... Zach Clark. Clark. You know, there are some secondary ruckmen out there that, um, for example, you know, Tom Hickey was being shopped around. Yeah. He would have preferred to stay in Melbourne. Now it's the best choice he's ever made. But he knew that Dick Nett was coming back and there was potentially um, other players that could have taken his spot. Vardy, example. Essendon should have should have signed Tom Hickey. Just in a, a media sense, the other thing that caught my eye with Warsfile was he did his weekly press conference yesterday and it seemed like... There are a whole lot more people there as a result yeah. because of this thing. It was, you know, carcass vulture. Well, that sort of thing. it is a bit like that, and some of the people there don't usually go to those things. But there was a moment. I'm not even sure who it was that asked, but he gave what I thought was a pretty good answer about you know what he sees as a future for this group, and I'm committed to this group. Whereupon someone proceeded to ask him. Yeah, but do you really want to coach him next year? I was like, do these people listen to the answers? And he rightly sort of turned and said, I just answered that. Which, him saying I just answered that then became a testy wars fault. <laughs> you know, like, if I ask you a question and you answer it and then I ask you exactly the same question, 
I don't begrudge you sort of coming back at me and saying, what, are your ears painted of course, on? Uh, of course. <laughs> and, and his demeanour during the game against Bulldogs was dissected, impassive, sitting on the boundary, yeah, well, disinterested. I, yeah, well, I can weigh in on that because I was sitting literally five metres from him, right yeah. behind the Essendon bench in my role as boundary yeah. for Throughout W. And there were t- periods where he had the headset off. He had the headset on for more time than he didn't but even when he had it off he was communicating with players coming on and off and the other coaches and and as for his passive appearance or whatever that is I mean he was passive when he was belting Dermot Brereton into the middle of next week on the field yeah. you know, like. and, and just as a as a matter of um, fact when you take a photograph of somebody and put it in the newspaper that photo will be passive because it's not moving. It's a, it was a picture of Worsfold just sort of sitting on the bench. It's a photograph. Makes sense that um, <laughs> that there's not a lot of animation in a photograph. Yeah, give, well, give him a break. Fair income. Yeah, yeah. No, no. In, interesting perspective. All right, a couple of other things just quickly before we move on. Uh, just in a, I guess, a news roundup sort of sense. Two things involving um, the Macquarie uh, Media. Uh, corporation. Uh, one is the John Singleton uh, package of shares in Macquarie Media has now been bought out by or will be bought out by Channel 9, thus giving Channel 9 total ownership of the Macquarie radio networks. And we're talking about 3AW, 2GB, Macquarie Sports Radio. Will this give punters at Randwick optimism that Singleton will once again shout the bar on the weekend? <laughs> yeah, he sounded quite sort of, um, what's the word? Um, Cock-a-hoop. Yeah, well, he was... I've always thought that... He, was, he, he, he did say, um, I want to be a majority shareholder or I'm not interested, you know, yeah. so he was quite happy to cash oh, I've, out. I've always said John Singleton puts the cock in cock-a-hoop. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, uh, so, I mean, look, there's some... Longer term ramifications here, I guess. What will they do with Macquarie Sports Radio, which has uh, now been going for uh, what a year and a half or so, a year and three quarters? Um, what will they do? What? Well, who what, knows? What to, what to do with? <laughs> but in Melbourne, I know what they should do with it. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I think a lot of us have thoughts about what they should do. I mean, some Melbourne programming would be good. Can I, in tell, you, can I tell you? I listened to it yesterday afternoon. And people say you're biased here, whatever. Now, hang on, wait. Oh, just a quick disclaimer here. I mean, I... No, no, you've got no problems here, mate. Well, I have done work on Macquarie okay. Sports I was, Radio. I so. listened to, occasionally, to Marco and Dave. Yep. And I was just telling you, and I... When did it cease to become Marco and Ox, isn't it? Okay, Marco and Ox, yeah. whatever. And I'll tell you this. And I've, I've been on... I've done radio long enough. I know the, tra- I know the craft. God, Mark Allen is good at radio. And people... We'll say, what are you talking about? Uh, they, some people can't see forests for the trees. I know what I'm looking for. He's just a very quick-witted um, host, but he's also very generous to his co-host and to his guests. He is an absolute... People go, oh, you know, 180th in the world of golfer. Why do you need him? He is a true radio talent. You know, just little things. There was a great little comment that he made because they were talking about game changers on the back of Polypharma in world sport. And they gave the number one all time to Dick Fosbury, who completely changed how you high jump. Yeah. And Ox said, you know, I mean, it, it, it's simply obviously when it's called the the Fosbury flop, and he, uh, you know, Dick Fosbury changed the world of high jumping. 
And Marco just quietly said, I'm glad they went with Fosby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not bad. It was so, just beautifully done. So, um, obviously, look, I mean, Channel 9's uh, sort of strategy after taking over Fairfax has been, they've been reasonably hands-off in terms of the age and the Sydney Morning Herald, I think. So, it's a bit of a, there'll be a bit of a wait-and-see period. But I was talking to someone the other day about Macquarie Sports Radio specifically, and I think a lot of people are assuming, oh, well, that's the end for that. And this person was saying, oh, no, I, I tend to think more the opposite because nine like sport and, um, you know, they haven't necessarily got that many big ticket items now in a TV sense. So maybe they're interested in cranking up the, the radio side of it. So I love that. Nine like sport. Nine like ratings. Yeah, well, they like them too. Um, so anyway, watch this space on that one. The other news item which has just emerged in the last 24 hours uh, is that it appears Dwayne Russell, long-time co-host of uh, the program now called Sports Today with Jared Healy, heard on 3AW, uh, produced by Croc Media now. Uh, Dwayne is moving to SEN apparently to host the afternoon show Next year, so some, you know, that's. Uh, I mean, why are we mentioning that? Because it's a long-running show. I think most people are familiar with it, and that will be a major shake-up. Those that pair, Jared and Dwayne, have been hosting that show since the tragic death of David Hooks in two thousand and four. So it's fifteen years. It's a long time. I'll tell you what, Croc Media. It could be Octopus Media. The tentacles everywhere. Yeah, for better or for worse, and and that's you know that's it's far-reaching, and and in the end, I celebrate the independence of small operations like this very podcast. (laughs) Well, not not just us, but you know, independent voices and independent um, broadcasting in AFL media need to be sought out and celebrated. I'm not talking about us, but look for look for voices that are independent because they're, they're going to become less and less prevalent. And well, and you'll have more situations like this, the logistics of this. So I was, I was thinking, what are the politics of this? So Croc Media produced that show, which is heard on 3AW, which is a rival station to Croc's station, SEN. Now one of the co-hosts of that show is moving to SEN, so that's effectively robbing the 3AW show of talent that company which has done that produces that show. It's the same in a TV sense. You know, you had Maguire Media uh, producing shows that were on Channel 7 up against shows that Eddie was not only involved with, but was fronting, you know, so... I mean, it is it is unusual, given that there are broadcasting laws in this country which prohibit um, companies from monopolising markets... I think the most a company can have in a in a radio broadcast sense is two. Well, that's all been repealed. Is two, so that's no longer. Is that so? That's no longer the case. Um. Well, I'm I'm just I trying. Thought, I thought I thought two was the maximum. No, that was the case, but I think that was repealed by the uh, Turnbull government. Therefore, I think that's what allowed Channel Nine to take over Fairfax. Okay. We're we're out of our depth here. We need Stephen Main or someone to weigh in on this. Absolutely, one. the only landmark decision I know is the Marbo decision, and that doesn't cover this. Was that about the vibe? Eddie, no, that was the castle, wasn't it? You know, you know the Eddie Marbo. <laughs> no, of course I know about Marbo. 
Um, no, that's a line, isn't it? It's it's the feel, it's the vibe. All right, there's enough media watch. Uh, let's preview some footy. On Footyology, previews with Punch. All right, round 21 kicks off at the MCG Friday evening, 7.50pm. A blockbuster finey. No, it's not really. The Battle of the Capitals, Melbourne v Sydney. Yeah, this was, I guess, when scheduled, supposed to be a bit of a blockbuster. Melbourne expected to be at the pointy end. Sydney always competitive. Who would have thought it was going to be 17th versus 14th? Uh, yeah, 15th. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't have picked it. Hard to pick the game as well, I guess, for Sydney Swans. Over the next couple of weeks, they'll be saying goodbye to a few players. Yes, um, well, another one, Nick Smith, yesterday yep. announcing his retirement. He won't be able to play in this game. McVeigh may play next week. Franklin isn't leaving, but he may play next week. So Melbourne, look, Melbourne has been competitive, as you like to point out, in many games. Because it's at the MCG, it's on a bit of a stage, so it gives both of these clubs a chance to maybe for a one-off put in a performance in front of a bigger crowd. Will it be a bigger crowd? Not, not at the ground. Thinking. No, I'm talking about uh, Friday night footy. Oh, yeah. Might, not at the ground. It might be impressed upon both these teams. That bigger the, audience. That, that A bigger audience that the world is watching. It'll be a very small world even on TV. <laughs> I, t- I tip Melbourne. Plus the test is on. Gee, the ratings could be interesting. for. Yeah, I hope they get to play in, in this in this rain-reduced test match. Yes. Because um, I want to see Jack Leach play again after his... Wonderful batting performance against Ireland. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, you know he's at number eleven who made ninety. Yeah, points. yeah, yeah. He was at number eleven. Yeah. Did a um, I've just Tony Mann. No. Um, yeah. Th- yeah, yeah. Tony Mann made a ton as a night watchman. No, yeah. I, our young spinner, um, Ashton Agar. Ashton Agar. That's it. Uh, what's happening to Dizzy me? Gillespie. I'm, I'm getting Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, who are you tipping? Melbourne. Are you really? Yeah, why not? All right. No, I'm going for Sydney. Really? Why not? Well, you said really, like Melbourne was a shock. Yeah, okay. No, I just think Sydney. You're only one ahead of me, mate. Yeah. Last week with the big pullback. No, I think I was three ahead. Now I'm two. two. Oh, did you get two? Oh, yeah, because your guys got up in the last minute. And your guys lost. Did they? Yes, apparently. You tipped. (laughs) That's right, you tipped them. (laughs) Apparently. All right, I'm going for Sydney. You're going for Melbourne. I need to write this down somewhere, don't I? Yeah. Um, all right, next game, Carlton v St Kilda, Saturday, one forty-five. Back at the G. It's now or never. I'll never. I shouldn't sing. This is now or never for one person. Do you know who that person is? Brett Radden? No, Sam Rowe. Look, he was picked up by St Kilda as one of these sort of late picks you can add to your list. When, I completely forgot about when that. When Dylan Robertson went down. Now, he came to St Kilda, this ex-Carlton player, on 99 games. He has been named an emergency eight out of the last nine weeks. And I fear that he may not be at the club next year. Will he get to his 100th AFL game? If you, They need another tall backman, right? Because Carlton have got a tall forward line, Casbolt, Mackay and McGovern. Mm. So they're going to bring in a tall to support Carlisle. Could be Nathan Brown. Surely Sam Rowe against his old team. 100 games. Play Rowe. Play him. He doesn't want to finish one short. He's already got that anatomically. Let him play. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, in terms of those... He's a good bloke too. So all I can say is play him and and I think St Kilda will win. 
Well, speaking about key defenders, uh, Carlton, one of their current key defenders, uh, unfortunately out now for the remainder of the season. Larynx. Uh, Liam Jones, yeah. Fractured. Uh, larynx. A non-displaced fracture of the larynx. In fact, I was talking to someone about that injury um, the other week before it happened, and, and we were talking about Gareth John. Uh, the oh, Chris, Sydney rugby, yeah, of course, he, he got that raspy kicked, voice. Well, he got he got kicked in the throat by Simon Madden. I yep. think it was at the SCG in nineteen ninety one, and he was in a lot of trouble. You know, so um, fortunate it wasn't even more serious, even though it is serious for Liam Jones. But he's gone for the rest Did of the Gary year. Did Gary Dempsey have? No, Gary Dempsey's voice wasn't because of that. Okay. It was um, something to do with the bushfires at, at Lara, Lara yep. in nineteen sixty nine. Um, who are you tipping? St Kilda. Uh, I think that, I think St Kilda played really well the last few weeks, and yeah, and their record of the G's all right good. recently, they like, isn't it? They like playing at the G. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going for the Saints too. Um, I think it could be quite close. I mean, Carlton. It's it's actually a good game. Both teams are playing quite well. Yeah, so both sets of supporters would mark this as one to win. Yep. So. Yeah, not a terrible game. All right, uh, Saints for both of us there. Now, this is a big one, Finey. In fact, doesn't get any bigger. 1v2 on the ladder. Brisbane v Geelong. It gets bigger on Sunday. To? I think Richmond West Coast, to me, is... It's interesting. Well, isn't like, that funny, isn't it? Richmond West Coast, uh, these guys are 1-2 on the ladder, and Richmond West Coast... You've got yeah, one, no, you're right. That's you've got what one, all two it talks on, about. You've got 1-2 on the ladder, and you've got probably the two teams... If you ask most people, they're, they're their top two picks. No, that's flag. right. No, you're spot on. Well, let's talk about this one first. Yep. Two ten at the Gabba Saturday. I think Brisbane. I'm tipping Brisbane in this for a very simple reason, because they, as long as this brilliant run, and I want to talk eight in a row. Yeah, that's what, what I was talking about. Oh. This brilliant run with injuries continues. Oh yes. Then I'm loath to tip against them and. At the Gabba, I will not tip against them. I no. might tip against them next week at the G against Richmond, but that's about it. Maybe at Subiac, uh, maybe yeah. at Optus against West Coast. It's quite astonishing that about the injuries, isn't it? In fact, I, I do notes for these previews, yeah. and the paragraph on injured players is, is usually quite long. And here under Brisbane, I've got nil injuries. Actually, there is one, uh, Cutler, <laughs> I think. But um, Well, just on that... 15 players at Brisbane have played either 20 or 19 games. Yeah. With Hodge 18 rested in two. 15 players have basically played every game bar or some bar one. 11 of those have played all 20 games. No club has used less players this season. And I just want to comment that I think, as I've said many times, when watching them against St Kilda, they're the best team I've seen this year. But I've heard a lot of people say, what do you think about Brisbane's chances for a flag? And a common answer is, look, I don't think they can win it this year, but this is the kicking off point for what yeah, should no, be a that's... great era. If you look at their team, that's not really how that team's made up. Yeah. Stefan Martin, you know, Cameron's played 20 games. That's mm. unusual for Cameron. Stefan Martin's not young. Hodge obviously may be playing his last year, no matter what happens. Uh, Mitch Robinson has re-signed, but he's thirty. I also think that whole Ish. premise about finals experience and you know you got to be there and you got to lose one to win one. That that's quite um, of an, that's an anachronism now. So I mean, look at the Western Bulldogs yeah, in two thousand sixteen. I'm saying a team that's coming from years near the bottom. Okay, logically, not logically, but instinctively, you might say. 
okay, they're only going to get better. But very hard. Injuries play such a role in teams' fortunes for a year. No team in, I think, the last five years have had a better run than Brisbane. No, it's a, it's a terrific run. Uh, in terms of the Cats injuries, Paddy Dangerfield... Uh, will be okay. But of course, he, he'll be okay. Yeah, uh, you've he, you've got him in the uh, McGovern, McGovern class. No, I mean. not when he plays. Mm. McGovern is a, a soap opera between the first <laughs> and last siren, but Paddy's always a soap opera during the week. Yeah, yes. Um, O'Connor, uh, he's missed the last two. He might be a chance to come back. Um, Zach Smith would be the big inclusion that they late withdraw. Well, the interesting one, uh, Jordan Clark uh, got that nasty what elbow injury yeah. at training. Um, they opted against surgery, and so now a bit of a race against time for him. But uh, he's, you know, he may be a first year player, but he is important to them. Yeah. Um, so, really interesting to see Narkel's follow up game. Yes. Yeah. No. Well, we talked. I think we talked last week about them having lost that sort of spark and. His return certainly gave it to him. I, I really hope he does back it up because I'd, I'd like the Cats to be... It's interesting, isn't it, the side that... They have been on top of the ladder since round two. And yet there's sort of this acceptance almost that, oh, no, Geelong won't win it. Well, they're still on top of the ladder. And, um, you know, I think... Uh, uh, I mean, they didn't. They beat a side which only kicked one goal last Saturday night. And it was a bit of a bit of a grind, but I think um, there were some encouraging signs in that victory, so don't don't dismiss them. But no. you're you're going for Brisbane. Yeah, let's let's be honest. Two weeks ago they travelled interstate and did terribly Geelong, so mm. I'd rather go with the team that's won eight in a row playing at home. I'm going for Brisbane as well. Uh, Adelaide v Collingwood, a four oh five local time, four thirty five Eastern big, Seaboard time. Another very big game. Adelaide Oval. Collingwood have to win if they're a chance to finish top four. Adelaide have to win if they want to make the eight. So these this is a big game of football. There's still a massive chance to top four the pies, aren't they? I mean, they they win there too. Richmond lose against either West Coast yeah, or of Brisbane, course, of course. But I don't think they can win this game. Are you, I think Adelaide's form's pretty good coming into this, and I Collingwood, Collingwood, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you can you can try and paper over cracks and 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 do put together a team that that maybe for a week can survive, but when you name and play, and it wasn't the wrong thing, rough it in the forward line, mm. you have honestly come down to the last of the choices. That's why he left the Bulldogs, because, you know, his copybook was blotted by attempts to ruck him and play him as a forward. He's a backman, a backman, a backman, a backman. And if that's your second forward, you are not a top four team. Yeah, well, just in terms of the injuries, a, a big one for the Crows is having Rory Sloan available. Um, that was a fairly serious eye injury he copped last week yep. and uh, looked like he probably wasn't going to play. But I, I but think why wouldn't you, the tip now is he will. Couldn't you play with the eye covered up? <laughs> Daryl Poole only had one eye. Had he That's played right, Daryl Poole, Port Adelaide. He played a number of... Number tough of, man. Yeah. Um, I think you need to be used to having one eye. Yeah, Daryl Poole. There's a blast from the past. Imagine if Rory played with the eye covered. Aye, <laughs> aye. Hey, hey. But he just had depth perception problems. Yeah, well, he'd have... He'd be grabbing at marks and the ball would be 20 metres away. He'd have a nickname for the rest of his career. 
uh, Long John Sloan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in terms of the pies injuries, uh, not much movement at the station. So Degoe more um, all unavailable. Uh, Sears available for, <laughs> for basketball. For, for Greensboro Ferns. <laughs> uh, well, no, still no Wells. Um, he got injured again. Can, still no Wells. You know what? Somebody said to me, Wells isn't available. Either Sid Coventry. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, are they waiting? Are they waiting? Yeah. Are they waiting on the fitness of um, who's that grateful back of theirs? Uh, Jack Regan, yeah, the prince of fullback. <laughs> Sid Coventry's still out with a boil. <laughs> <laughs> A um, incidentally, just speaking about Collingwood, and I, I do digress here, but I did a um, a night last night for Montrose Football Club, and uh, I interviewed Jaden Stevenson, and it, gee, it was a gee, he was impressive. He was so um, honest, and you know, I mean, yeah, what what choice does he have? But did he buy a ticket in the raffle? <laughs> no, no, but <laughs> I got so game that by the end of the interview, he he gave us a pair of his football boots. Yeah. And someone asked me to, you know, look at them and inspect them and make sure they are genuine article and been used. And I sort of looked in, pulled back the tongue of the boot, and I said, "Hang on, there's a form guide in here." <laughs> yeah. So, we, and, and he was no, he was terrific. So, yeah. if you happen to hear this, Jaden, thanks very much. It was a terrific interview. I was actually thinking, finally, if the media outlets were here, they would definitely have got a story out of it. But uh, I yeah. also had one on one this week with an AFL player. Who was that? I pulled up to the corner of Chapel Street and Dandenong Road. Yeah. And I looked to the car next to me, my, I wound my window down, and he's caught my eye, and he put his window down. Like, I said, I know who you are, mate. He goes, uh, yeah. I go, you're a bloody beauty, Dan. It was Dan Hanabry. Oh, right. And he goes, no, no, no. I said, mate, well done. He goes, thanks a lot. And then I said to him, game one on what will be, because I thought he was great last week, great journey. He goes, thanks. And I said, you're going to play the St Kilda Premiership. And he said, "Do you reckon?" Oh, did he? Oh, thanks. <laughs> he meant, "Do you reckon?" And I said, "And I said, I followed the club all my life, Dan, and I've got to believe it." So we end up going up all the way up Chapel Street to almost Torek Road, sort of to Chasers. <laughs> um, I was behind. Him, <laughs> it was three a.m. I was behind him, but the lights. I sort of pulled up next to him when I turned left, and he gave me a big wave goodbye. Say, "Good on you, Dan." <laughs> he, he drives a petrol guzzler, though. Oh, really? Not a four-wheel drive. Okay. Do you know what someone observed about this show during the week? What? That I'm always trying to steer you back on course and then I inevitably get sucked down the same rabbit hole. <laughs> That's a great hole. Uh, <laughs> uh, who's going to win? Adelaide. I said Adelaide. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm saying Adelaide too. I don't think it's that cut and dry, though. The pies oh, are pretty good on the road. Yeah. I was just They thinking... have won two in a row now. Okay. I, I, think we've, I think West Coast Adelaide showed that Adelaide... Actually, they're playing their best footy of the year. Next yeah, year. yeah. I still, and, I still think it'll be close. And um, with ex, you know, with apologies to Riley O'Brien, you're actually not as good as Sam Jacobs. The right man's in the ruck. Yeah, well, I don't think that's a great revelation. Oh, yes, it is. I mean, Don Pike was saying sorry, but you're going to have to, you know, Sam, the number one man's Riley O'Brien. Back to basics. Yeah, yeah, back to correct. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Wiedemann's coming back next week. No, no, but back to basics. Sam, Sam Jacobs is a good ruckman. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, all right, so we're both going for Adelaide there. Uh, Marvel Stadium, Saturday evening, 7.25. North Melbourne v Port Adelaide. North now 
done and dusted in finals terms, but the power, a massive, massive chance to, well, they've already leapfrogged Adelaide, but uh, confirm their spot in the eight. Yep. I'm tipping Port. Look, I respect what's at stake here. Port, uh, and for Ken Hinckley, I think it's pretty important they make the eight. And for the team, their future's bright. Rosie, Butters, don't start on me. <laughs> um, Dersma, didn't, didn't say Dersma, he's, he's out anyway the Bruce Sternum yeah but they, they really did well Kyle gave it to didn't him didn't they <laughs> Cartman <laughs> yeah um, god that was a good episode when <laughs> when Cartman became his robot yeah awesome oh that's one of my <laughs> favourite episodes great episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh people uh, watch it yeah it's anyhow a, uh, no, I am awesome <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> I was just thinking about that episode. The, he fed him toothpaste. Anyhow, so... Yeah, you know how it remembers. Uh, uh, how it remembers. How it finishes. Uh, Butters shames him by playing a video he took of Cartman um, dancing around a cardboard cutout of Britney Spears. <laughs> that's, that's right. Dressed as Justin Timberlake or the other way around. <laughs> so, the for me, what's at stake is really important. Now, people say, well, that doesn't necessarily play out in an afternoon. But you just saw North Melbourne when it got... Because they were in the game at halftime against Geelong. They are only down by two and a bit goals. But at Haven't some, kicked one goal. I'm saying, but at some point in the second half, it just all got too hard for them. Yeah. Which means with nothing to play for, it can... You know, it, it's hard to, to dig as deep as the other team. So I just think Port win on the back of what's at stake. Well, they've won... Three in a row now? Well, they definitely went back-to-back. Yeah, no, they have. The Essendon win made it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Well, for nine weeks, they'd gone loss, win, loss, win. Um, You know, definitely playing better footy. The other um, interesting news with them too is that uh, Brad Ebert, who we'd sort of assumed was gone for the year, he actually has a chance to return for finals. So, I like Laddam's game. Yeah, he's, he's been impressive. And it's good. I mean, he's from a great family. What's that? The Laddams family. <laughs> well, there's a guy, I'm not sure if he's I'm related. Glad I, I'm glad I got that out. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, Chris Laddams played for, he, he was at Essendon and then yeah, yeah. Adelaide. But yeah. I, I don't know, are they but related? I'm not sure. He was. There's yeah, been well, a foot and a half difference between them. Yeah, no, it's true. But that, that happens, doesn't it? Oh, I don't know, we'll get back to that. Um, Brothers that are least like, didn't you observe one last week? Brothers that are least like each other? Yeah. There was some, or father and son. No, we had the father and son. Was that Josh and Andrew Dunkley? Yeah, you said Josh and Andrew Dunkley. Yeah, like jo- I mean, Josh is quite a tall midfielder, and yeah. Andrew wasn't overly huge. But the way but... they played football was Oh, really yeah, no, it was that. Yeah, it was that. Um, Scotty Thompson, of course, uh, he got concussed last week. So, you know, given that he's announced his retirement, only two potential games left. Let's hope he gets to the line okay for this one. North. Pretty... It'd, be, it'd be funny following watching footy without uh, a Scott Thompson around. Yes, it's been a long time, hasn't it? I wonder what the other one's up to now. Getting possessions, whatever. Whatever <laughs> he's doing, whatever he's doing. If he's working in an office, if yeah. he's in sales, yeah. I bet you he's making a lot of calls. <laughs> <laughs> How do you describe like someone who gets a lot of the a lot of the ball but doesn't use it well in sales terms? What well, you make a lot, a lot of calls, calls but doesn't get a lot doesn't of... get doesn't get any contract. Oh, that's a bit hard on him, isn't it? Yeah, 
a, a boss would love him. Look, why aren't you at least do what Scotty does and be on the phone all day? That's a bit like, um, is that a bit like radio organisations who judge you not on the uh, content you produce, but the amount of credits you read during a show? Uh, all right, so Isn't that what it's all about? Uh, apparently. And uh, we are brought to you by Andrew's Hamburgers, uh, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, and Nick Spartels and Hardwick Bilco. And if your hair's falling out, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget your Argan gym towels, 100% organic cotton. And the hardest of all ads to integrate into a, into your discussion? Which one? Tobin Brothers. <laughs> I find that very hard. doesn't seem to stop uh, no, half no. the radio stations in Melbourne. It's no, amazing. well, it's become about celebrating lives now yeah, rather than I'm, putting people in the ground. It's anything. A rating, the track rating today, Caulfield's dead. And if you're dead... <laughs> yeah. Well, so remember when banks, there was this period where banks would do these huge, glossy sort of you know, philosophies on life type, everything except mention the actual banking, you know, because everyone hates banks. Yeah, there were ads. It was What was that an ad for? Pet shampoo? <laughs> no, that was actually NAB's new, yeah. new ad. All right, both going for Port Adelaide. Um, this is a massive game too, Finey. 6-10 Perth time, Optus Stadium, Saturday evening, Fremantle v Essendon. It's not a massive game, but it is in terms of the eight position. Massive the eight. Yeah, I think it's a hard game for them to win. They're going to bring some players back, but don't rush them back because playing guys that aren't right isn't right. So here's who should play. Okay, well, hang, on, hang on, can I just say, I'll yep. chip in there because I, I, it hasn't been confirmed, but my understanding, <laughs> I can reveal, my understanding is that uh, Michael Hurley will play. Yeah, that's the, that's the one I think shouldn't be played. Um, Parrish and Francis yeah. will play. They're good. And They're I, good ends. And I think, and this one surprised me, but I think Adam Saad will play as well. They're the dangers. For me, Saad and Hurley, now Saad's a running machine. He yep. needs to be 101%. You're going over to WA. I just hope, you know what they say, don't assume. No, not that one. When you assume... It makes an ass of you and me. Yeah, I, that was on a Betty Hill blackboard when I was six. Don't make knee-jerk reactions because you're the jerk and I haven't worked out the rest of it. But it would be, to me, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction if they rushed players back that weren't fit because as bad as it was not having players to pick from, Essendon had a couple of guys that seemed injured to me against... Um, yeah, well, one Bulldogs. of one of I'm glad you brought that up because one of them, Stringer, is obviously crucial. Correct. So uh, fingers crossed about him yeah. uh, at the hangar. Yeah. Um, and don't take pl- and don't pick players that have that have I think mentally um, logged off. Yeah. Well, which is David Myers. He. Well, yeah, he hasn't mentally logged off because he's been he's been killing it in the VFL. Yeah, but, because that's I think he's invested in. Just taking putting footy as a bit of a back burner and concentrating on being a fireman next year or something. Isn't he doesn't that want to be a fireman, does he? I think so. David Myers. Yeah. He's a pretty smart guy, Dave. Well, I'm not saying... Oh, okay, here my we go. God. No, no, apologies to all <laughs> firefighters out there. I'm not oh, suggesting... Do you want to edit that one, mate? No, no. Uh, apologies. I didn't mean that. But, yeah, let's move on. Um... So you're going for Frio? Yeah, absolutely. I I just look. I oh, am. Please tip Essendon. No, I am. <laughs> a, I am going for Frio as well. But uh, I am. I'm pretty 
confident Essendon will bounce back. The other possibility you've got to consider with this too is Fremantle aren't going to make the eight now. So, you know, their hearts ripped out by your boys in the last minute uh, at uh, Marvel Stadium last Sunday. So do they now drop their bundle a bit, even at home? You no, know? because uh, from Ross Lyons' perspective, they won that game because he keeps walking out of the box two minutes before every game. <laughs> he, he walked out when these team was still in front. Did he? Yeah. Oh, after the second Just last goal. After the second yeah, last yeah. goal. That's it. I've had enough. <laughs> well, I know what's going to happen. Well, Ross Lyon thought they won, and the rest of the crowd there on Saturday night won't care because it didn't happen. It was played away. So, you That's know, right. your theory about Fremantle is just like he, going he, to the circus. You know, something. he walked out at halftime as well after that miskick gifted Dunstan a goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, he hasn't seen the whole game. Gee, they made some clangers for you. They, they really coughed up a win with that one, I think. All right, so we're both going for Fremantle. Yes, please. Uh, all right, that is Saturday night. Uh, let's get to Sunday. And here we go. The battle of the... what For most people at this stage is a possible grand final preview. One ten Sunday at the MCG, Richmond v West Coast. What a great game this is. I think these two teams are going to provide us this year's premiers. I finally come over to the way of West Coast. And what I'm Welcome about, aboard, fine. And what I'm about to say almost surprises me. But I tip them to win this game. Look, they are in perfect form. But they're playing good football out to the final siren. Good win over Adelaide, who was good. Richmond almost haven't learnt the lesson from last year. Now, what I'm saying is, last year, oh, 17, they win the flag. 18, they try and engineer a soft landing into the finals. Mm. And they just didn't click on preliminary final day. It was like, oh, it's over. Shit. That's it, mate. See you next year. Martin was down a bit, and that was it. I don't think they should have done what they've done the last two weeks, which is just cruise past Melbourne and Carlton, which they absolutely did. They did not play intense games of football. Again, trying to... They know they've got two big games coming up, but I think that they could be caught a little unawares this week. Well, that's an interesting perspective because Damien Harwick did say during the week he felt they peaked too early last year and then he thought their timing was spot on. Right now. Correct. But he's talking about timing spot on for the finals. Yeah. This is a final, mate. Yeah. I think they've miscalculated. This is a final. This is a key game. Lose this, top four might be out of out of reach. reach. Now, I don't think this is the perfect entree into this game. Mm. Martin will come back. He was rested last week. He's a great player, Martin, and really capable of busting the game open, but maybe it takes him a quarter to get on on song. You're playing against a team that hasn't lost in Melbourne for two years. They're a brilliant side. They are absolutely champing at the bit, not just to confirm top two, but what a way to confirm it and knock your main rival down to fifth. What a great opportunity for West Coast, and I think they come into this game, if it's a work title bout... I think they come in in better body shape than Richmond. If Richmond can win this game, they will, for me, be the tip to win the flag. I'm tipping West Coast. All right. Okay. Well, this might surprise you, and this probably makes no sense at all. 
I'm tipping West Coast to win the flag. If this game was a final, I'd be tipping West Coast. And you're tipping Richmond? It's not a final. I'm tipping Richmond. Because I'm tipping Richmond to win the flag. <laughs> but West Coast to win this one. But, I'm but going the other way I around. I was tipping Richmond to win the flag, mm. but I think this is going to be the game that cost them the flag. So you're now not tipping, tipping to win West the flag. I'm tipping West Coast, West Coast. West Coast oh, okay. win, West Coast flag. All right, well, I'm going Richmond, West Coast. Richmond win this time, West Coast win the flag. That can happen. I don't think... Richmond can lo- if Richmond lose this, I think it's very hard for them to win the flag. Mm. No, no, fair, fair comment. And every chance here, I mean, their record on the road's been absolutely terrific. I, I can't even, to be honest, I, I can't even really frame an argument why I'm going for Richmond this time, even though I think West Coast will win the flag because I think. You know, they're probably going to need to not need to, but I think they the likelihood is they drop one on the way. Um, and I just think it, you know, sort of bit of a reconnaissance mission against the Tigers almost. Uh, it's on the MCG. Richmond do play fantastic footy there. They have won, what, seven in a row. Um, I, I think it'll be tight, but... Uh, I'm going, by the way. Uh, well, enjoy. Um, I am going for the Tigers, so we differ on that one. All right, final two games, and uh, this is a pretty big one too, GWS. Taking on the Western Bulldogs, 3.20pm, Giant Stadium. You'd have to have rocks in your head if you tip GWS in this game. Oh, really? Yep. I, I know most people will. Why would you have to have rocks in your head? Bulldogs, look, when they won the flag in 2016, mm-hmm. they got some chemistry going. Yep. Correct? Yep. If people can't see that the... Chemistry. Is, Mondo Rock. Yeah. Uh, you're trying to get the song for yeah. the show. Um, the, the, that's a good choice, actually. The, the If people can't see that... The, this coach obviously goes through a lot of combinations and permutations till he gets that thing going. They're for doggy supporters. It's taken, the chemistry. It's taken two and a half years almost, three yeah. years. But it's, it's clear. There's some chemistry there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't... And, and, You've got to understand, and we, you've pointed out that quite a few of these guys played in 2016. Yeah. You've got to understand that... No, it's a different dynamic to the, it. That when this team clicks, and it's happening, that Beveridge can get a lot out of them, and they get a lot out of themselves. I know that there might be some giants coming back. DeBoer, Kelly might play. Um, Himmelbach should be playing. Well, Deledio uh, probably done. Um, Is that the end of, for him? Yeah, I'd I'd reckon. Um, but I mean, we'll obviously not hear that officially for some time. But Cameron Kelly, DeBoer, Himmelberg, Cameron all, played last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, but oh, yeah, but he copped cops some corky. Yeah, all all uh, decent chance to play. Yeah. Hopper won't be back. No, uh, and I doubt Finlayson as well. Correct. But they're pretty handy ins if they are ins. Yeah, they they they're good in. Well, Cameron I, played. So the reason I say that is. Um, there's three to come in, yeah, and that is important because their bottom five start to, to to look a bit exposed. Everything you're saying makes sense, and I'm sort of annoyed with myself for tipping someone on the bounce back theory rather than tipping the form team. I saw the doggies up close last week; like no one could play any better footy than they played. They were absolutely brilliant. But I'm going for the Giants simply on the have to win theory. And it won't be snowing. We know they can't play in the snow. <laughs> so, yeah, look, they can easily win. When I say rocks in your head, I'm just trying to point out that Bulldogs, when they're up and running, 
I know it's been a while since their flag, but this is the coach that knows how to put together a team that can play together. And again, no credit for Bulldogs for what they did against Essendon. Mm. It was all Essendon, all worse fold, shoot the loser and ignore the winner. I don't know if it was lack of credit. It was just, the you mean the focus. focus. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, no, people, no. if people looked more at the team that kicked the 21 in a row and less at the team that conceded it, they would find it hard to tip against them. Bad news sells, Farney. I'm saying, but hard to tip against that team. They yeah. were bloody brilliant. Yeah, so you're tipping the doggies? Yes. All right, I'm going, and with big reservations, but I am going for GWS. And it wraps up with the biggest one of them all. I've got to stop doing that. All games are valid. but uh, It's not top, topped and tailed well this round. No, but it, it is for one reason. Uh, Hawthorne v Gold Coast, 4.40pm Marvel Stadium, Sunday afternoon. Ruffy, the big Ruffy's Ruffy. Ruffy. He's a great bloke, Ruffy. I, I met him through previous radio station that I worked for. Well, I can say um, part of the Hutchison Empire, really. Uh, now. SEN. Yes. He's a lovely bloke, Ruffy. I'm so pleased he gets this game. One of William Gather's finest. Yeah. But really good. You know him. Yeah. You've met him. Yeah, no, he's very... He's a ripper, he, isn't he? He's very laid back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a... If I was a league footballer, I'd want to have his demeanour off the field. Yep. You know, I, he knows he's, he's not one of those stupid, self-effacing, you know, no, no, I'm hopeless, I'm hopeless. <laughs> he's a great footballer, but he's just a lovely bloke. Now, Finey, yeah. not often we uh, break, uh, we interrupt this bulletin to bring you a news flash. Yes. And they beat us by about 30 seconds, but just on lobbying on the AFL website... Uh, Brett Deledio announcing his retirement. <laughs> You're kidding. Nope. Well, we... Mate. Uh, it does say at the end of the season, though. Which happened last week for him. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't <laughs> say that. But, uh, yeah, he's not uh, conceding defeat on the playing again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hang on. He has to. Oh, Deledio is expected to be sidelined for at least a month. Yeah. So they'd have to play at least two finals, and he'd have to get in there after not playing for the a month. The only chance of him playing for GWS again... Is if they field a team in a district cricket competition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, let's get back to Hawthorne Gold Coast and Jared Ruffin. Yeah, so really pleased that he gets this game. Yep. Um, Stewie Jew needs to come under the microscope a bit. Do you reckon? Yeah, because he seems to... Why is he making... Why is he scapegoating players at a club that can't retain players? Or who now? Well, Jack Martin. Oh, is yeah. going, They're going to come for Jack Martin, clubs. Yeah, yeah. Is he basically, honestly, by dropping him last week, he is really saying, go. Well, maybe he is. I mean, Martin's been there now. Maybe what, he did last five years. All right, maybe maybe he had the same. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that believe the reason that Lions is at Brisbane mm. is because the two didn't hit it off for some reason. Mm. Well, it happens. It can't happen at that club. You can't lose, You can't have a player drain and. Oh, we're going to lose two good players a year because Stu doesn't like them. Yeah. Why is Peter right in the v- in the kneeful? They, they don't have good enough players to be playing guys that other clubs will take. No, it's a fair observation. But Stop by the same it. token, you can't accept ordinary performances. I've that... watched Peter Wright closely this year. Yeah. He's been fine. All right, so uh, we're both going for Gold Coast. Yeah. I, really... I fear... No, we're not. We're going for... I fear not for Gold Coast's future. I fear for Gold Coast's future under Stuart Dew 
at the moment, I wouldn't have him as coach. Well, controversial words oh, from Mark on. Fine. Hang on. Last year they started well and fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. They started well this year. I think everybody at that point would have said, we cannot do what we did last year. They've actually gone worse. They're controversial means, words from you. And well, I, hang on. Which means, if they start okay next year, no, you know, we're waiting for it to crash again. <laughs> You know you do a better dramatic pause than just about anyone. I mean, sometimes the pause well, well, is so long, I'm about to actually well, hit ser- the pause button. Seriously, but. what every coach of a bottom team wants is a good start to the year to yeah. to, to, have, to sort of, um, you know, um, f- just put them in the season. To Yeah, they to, won three out of the first five, and it was three out of four last year. Two years in a row. If you can't yeah. parlay that into parlay. eight, into six wins, eight wins, something respectable, to do it twice means that, You've got no answers, and I reckon he shouldn't be coached. All right, that's dramatic stuff from Mark Fine. Expect to read it on the uh, Footyology, actually hear it on the Footyology podcast, which um, you are because you're listening right now. Yeah. I'm completely lost for words at the moment. Um, all right, let's wrap this by. So we're both going for Hawthorne, aren't we? All right, just need to officially yeah, yeah. confirm it. Gold Coast, Hawthorne to win. I want you removed. I'm pretty sure I want his. I'm thinking his team's going to get another thrashing. All right, let's wrap this baby up. On footyology, the final word. Okay, competition time. Finey, what do you got? Well, the question was AFL grounds, VFL grounds, where football has been played at the highest level, have been used for many other interesting things. We had some great entries this week, thanks to all those who entered. A couple of runners-up that I really liked. Our mate Greg Norman from West Meadows. Oh, yes. A beauty. And this is... People talk about the largest ever crowd at the MCG. Do you know what it was for? I think I do. Uh, Billy Graham. Correct. But that's not... And that is not the entry. That's not the most people that have ever been at the MCG. Oh. Because Greg points out that between 1942 and 1945, (laughs) the MCG was home to Camp Murphy. Yeah. And it housed 200,000 US soldiers. Yeah. Who live there? I just don't know where they all fit. Isn't that a very American? Can't you just hear someone yelling out, Murphy? But like it was called Camp Murphy. <laughs> Is that, you know, that there's stories that if you go to the, um, like the Rangers in Gippsland, yeah. there are Panthers. There are sign- there've been signings of Panthers around around. Um, oh, that were were mascots for the American Camp Murphy. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. did they get from the MCG? <laughs> There's either in Gippsland or the other ones, the Yu Yangs. Yeah, right. What do they do? Catch a train from Jollibon Station? Oh, just quietly. I'm, I'm, I much prefer them in the Yu Yangs and in Yarra Park when but, I'm trying to find my car. Oh my God! There's a Panther. But isn't it great? Four Panthers escaped from the MCG. When they were walking through the city <laughs> and then north <laughs> North Melbourne. Well, it was a quite a time for him. Maybe they did it at night and everyone was asleep. Surely the people of, of say, um, Essendon or, or even outer suburbs then, like, I don't know, whatever it was, surely they should have taken action before they rested, <laughs> got to the Yu Yangs. Hey, what about... Honey, was that a panther? Yeah, guy goes to put the milk bottles out. Hey, Doris. <laughs> well, that's, that's a big cat. Yeah, that's, that's a panther. They're coming from the MCG. <laughs> you should have done something then because now you can't stop your car. Anything west of Melton, yeah. 
It's Panther Country. (laughs) (laughs) All right, get on with it. (laughs) Okay, so that doesn't win, but that was fun. Okay, another really good one was from Ari Vlahos. He's been sending in some great uh, nominations from South Australia. Now, Theberton Oval. Oh, yeah. Not the Barton. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That was uh, West Torrens ground, wasn't it? Yeah. This is in 1986. West Torrens is playing there, but they hold an annual Greek festival there. (laughs) The highlight of which was Greek Elvis coming in a Cadillac that had real bullet holes in it. (laughs) (laughs) So the question is, did somebody shoot their own Cadillac? To win Greek Elvis, I was just like going to say someone. Someone didn't like the performance. Yeah, I've got a feeling Greek Elvis <laughs> might have had a less than respectable day job during the week. <laughs> but, uh, but they're not the winners. Okay, who, who won? So you can imagine how good the winner is. It's Luke Wentworth. Yay! Now remember, St Kilda played three home games at um, Westpac Stadium in Wellington. The, yes, is that the Cake Tin or something? Uh, or? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Coke tin. Okay. Um, Also, one-day cricket. But there was a famous one-dayer, apparently, between New Zealand and England. New Zealand made a modest 244. England only made 89 in reply. Well, that hardly is going to win the prize. Something brilliant happened during the break of innings between the two teams. Peter Jackson came onto the field, director of Lord of the Rings. And, microphone in hand, he asked the 20,000-strong crowd to grunt in the language of the Uruk Hai. Uruk Hai was the language of Middle Earth, some tribe in Middle Earth. Now, the entire 20,000 went along for the ride. On the scoreboard was this fictitious Uruk Hai language that people had to um, obviously read. And after a few takes, they got enough from the 20,000 that that's the background noise of the great <laughs> Battle of the Helm during the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, the final big battle where Gandalf joins Aragorn and it led to the demise of the Uruk High people. If you watch the movie, that entire audio was the crowd at the cricket at Westpac Oval in Wellington. <laughs> oh, they would have had to have been careful with the editing, wouldn't they? Like, it was sort of just as well in the background, you didn't hear, you know, peanuts, lollies, chocolates, and potato chips. Now, I love that because that harks back to a very similar but failed attempt at the MCG, at the SCG 20-odd year or 30 years ago. Do you know what that was? No. Okay, they were filming the movie Farlap. Oh, yeah. And the idea was, during the break of innings in a one-day game... And the request was put out to the crowd. This horse that was playing Farlap, because of the SCG, had those old stands. They had some actors in the front row wearing the right costume. But the rest of the crowd was supposed to, because it was when Farlap turned up late to the Melbourne Cup, the horse was supposed to canter onto the ground and then gallop with the jockey in the silks in front of the old stand at the SCG with the entire crowd yelling... Far lap, far. The horse came out, and the entire crowd, Lily. <laughs> now it was actually a test match. And I remember it was a test match. It was done at lunch. Later that afternoon, Australia bowled. 
they got whoever they were playing, I think Pakistan all out. And as Lily came in for his first ball of the first innings of the Pakistani reply, the crowd, foul <laughs> Aussie humour in its very best. That's, I have heard that story. Yeah, it's it's great, very good. Great. All right, so our winner is Luke Wentworth. Yeah. Luke, uh, just email us your address and T-shirt size details to info at footyology.com.au. Uh, you have won an Andrews Hamburgers T-shirt in your size, an Andrews Hamburgers cap, and a 100% organic cotton argan gym towel. Or... If you're in Lord of the Rings. That's what the Lord of the Rings tribesmen uh, wipe themselves down with after battle. Uh, All right, what's this week's competition? A lot of retirements being announced and will continue during the week. Brett Deledio, the very latest and freshest. Obviously, Nick Smith, Scott Thompson. So it's going to be the last game next week for a lot of players. To celebrate that, famous last games of football. Your take on, look, some ended in premierships, others ended in rampage. There have been a lot of players go out not so quietly and others go out quietly. So your take on the last games of great footballers. Like it. It's got to be emotive. It's got to be moving. Pick pick one. Pick one player and give us why it was a great last game. Yep. All right. Or or memorable, at least. Like it. Get your entries in to info at footyology.com.au, and that prize pack will be all yours. I've just thought of one. What? You could write it up. What, a a last game? Yeah. No, well, don't people might enter it. Yeah, I just just thought of my favourite. I'm not going to say it, but this should be a really good fun comp because this was the most uncharacteristic, memorable way to finish a career of any player I can imagine. Okay. It was, it was completely off the charts. I just saw one too, actually. This, uh, this one was off the charts, not play for St Kilda. I, I think St Kilda in these terms, but yeah, it should be a good competition this one. All right, get your entries in and uh, get them in often. Um, that's it. We're done. Good show today, Fonny. Well done. <laughs> much, much mirth. Um, you set up the song, and I reckon it's a good choice. Hopefully, much information. Yes, and you're talking, of course, and it was in reference to the Western Bulldogs. They have really hit a peak at the moment, and one would say that is because they are gelling as a team, which means Luke Beveridge has definitely developed a stunning chemistry between them, and uh, that makes us of an older vintage think of a the, fam- Am- the Amcal ad. <laughs> <laughs> a famous... Australian song uh, was a big hit. Uh, really good band, really good album. This too, um, uh, summer of eighty one. It is Mondo Rock. Uh, the year is nineteen eighty one. The song is Chemistry. That's what we're going to leave you with. And uh, I hope your team gets a win on the weekend. We'll see you Sunday evening.